Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. Come on, I'm glad it's Christmas time, aren't you? It's a good, good time as we celebrate the birth of Jesus. But before we get into the series today, just want to give you a couple quick announcements. First off, our Christmas services are coming up. Really excited about this. We're going to have four of them the week of Christmas. And we're going to start on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Christmas Eve, we're going to have two services. So the Tuesday service is 6.30. The Wednesday is 6.30. The Thursday is at 3 and 5. And thank you so much for grabbing those cards. It's helping us to be able to plan. So as you leave, you can do that and grab, grab your card. Um, it just It's color-coded, which is really nice for people who think in colors like this so you can be organized. But just so you know, if something comes up and you're like, oh, shoot, we can't go, it's okay. We're not checking cards at the door, okay? You can come. It just helps us plan a little better. And, and I just want to encourage you, um, if there are people in your life that you realize they need some peace and some hope this Christmas season, invite them. Invite them to come. Tell them there's going to be room to spread out. Tell them and just invite them because this is what people need. People need the message of Christmas. People need the truth that Jesus came to transform them because he loves them and is passionate about them. So let's do that together and, and uh, it's going to be an amazing week for that. But also, I, I, just, I just want to thank you. Last week... I said, hey, let's, uh, let's all order from Randy's Pizza to show support because with these restrictions, it's really, really making things difficult for those who are in the restaurant industry. And so Randy's Pizza, he's been here forever. And, uh, and so we, uh, we made a decision to go over there and I stopped by last night to get some food and you guys blew that place up last week. Seriously. They are so blown away. They are so humbled that we would do that to show support to them. The staff was like, oh my gosh, you, I, thank you so much. This means so much. You have no idea. I spoke to one person. They said, Randy talks about Faith Bible Chapel every day because of what they've done for him. So guys, can we give God a hand? Well done. It was awesome. So great. Now... We do have another restaurant this week that we're going to call in and bless. And so we want to choose restaurants that can handle an increase of business by about a thousand percent. So we, we want to be able to do that. But guys, thank you. It is, you have no idea. I don't think maybe you do, but what that says about us as believers and the church to say we are for the city and we're going together do stuff. So this week, we're going to be doing Rib City, baby. Come on, it's going to be great. <clears throat> I know, I, I just felt the Holy Spirit too. I, I just, did you sense that? Barbecue, come on, hallelujah. So anyway, just call them, let them know. When you call, say, hey, listen, I'm, in, I'm from Faith Bible Chapel, and we're just calling to say we support you and we're grateful for you. And call them, and if, if somehow we back them up because of all our phone calls this week, be patient. And then also, if you're not going to tip well, tell them you're from another church, okay? So that'll be great. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Well, guys, listen, we're going to continue this Christmas series, which is just the beautiful, beautiful picture and story and account of Jesus coming to this world for you and for me. My hope today is that you would receive just a real assurance, a peace, a settledness in your heart that God is for you, that God is not upset with you, that God is not frustrated with you. He actually came as the solution for your life 
And so we're going to lean into the story, but I, I like looking at characters that are maybe obscure. And today we're going to look at the character of Joseph. And I don't know if you've ever thought about his journey, his journey of, of, of being obedient to what God had asked him to do. A lot of times Joseph gets a little bit of bad rap because, you know, he, he's, he, one, he, he didn't believe Mary, and two, he left Jesus at the, at the temple, you know, when he was like 10, 12. So, you know, you're just like, but we need to understand that this is a remarkable remarkable, humble man that said yes to God's plan. And I think as we lean into this, you're going to be really encouraged by how God chooses to use humans. Aren't you glad God chooses to use humans? And he has chosen to use Joseph in this story. And so last week we looked at Matthew, how Matthew revealed the truth and the depth of Jesus Christ by giving the genealogy of, of Jesus and how, what was he doing? How was he introducing Jesus in this genealogy? He was introducing, telling us one, we need to be saved. That's why Jesus came too. He's, he's telling Jesus came for, for those who were the morally outcasts and those of us who have stumbled morally, he came to serve you. As we saw some of the people in the genealogy of Jesus, you think, why in the world would God ever put them in there? Because, man, maybe we should just hide them. And I mean, there were people in there who were broken and hurting and sinful, just like you and me. So what was the story? Last week, Matthew was letting us know, and everybody who would read his passage, if you're broken, if you're hurting, if you'd stumbled morally, then Jesus is the solution. Then you are why Jesus came to save you and to heal you. Today, we're going to look at the story of Joseph. We're going to look at the birth of Jesus through the eyes of Joseph. And so I'm going to pick up right after the genealogy in, in Matthew and jump straight to Joseph and the story of Joseph. And I want to get some context before we get here. Remember, Joseph was pledged to be married to Mary. And so Mary comes to him and says, listen, Joseph, I, I just want to let you know, I'm pregnant. I'm still a virgin. And Joseph goes, yeah, right. And you can just imagine that this created some questions with Joseph, some tension, and with Mary too. And now Joseph has to make a decision about their marriage. You actually don't know, you, you don't hear a whole lot about Joseph, but we do have this passage, and I really believe it will inspire us and speak to us today. So let's pick up the story, Matthew chapter 1, starting verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, I want you to note this, was faithful to the law. In other words, he was a righteous man. And yet, though, he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had a mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said to the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him to do. He took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. So the scripture tells us that Joseph and Mary, they are engaged. They're pledged to be married. Now, you need to, you need to just understand to be pledged to be married back then was, was binding. It was as though they were married. 
This engagement was a public statement of their commitment and marriage to one another. But once you were engaged, the process was you would announce to the families and after everyone's in agreement, after that there would be a public announcement and then after that there would be one year before they would move in together and consummate the marriage. So this has already happened. And it's important to understand that Joseph was dealing with a lot of emotions. He had to be as any man would be. The community knew they had been officially engaged. Joseph and Mary knew they were officially engaged. The family had signed off. They had had a ceremony and a celebration of the engagement. And so for Joseph to consider calling off the marriage was really, he'd have to walk through the awkwardness, walk through the repercussions of what a divorce is today. Very painful. Very, it's, it's very emotional. It's very, he's going to have to deal with all the different pieces there. And Joseph was facing these pressures and knowing that there was going to be consequences and knowing that there might be an outcast and knowing that actually under the law, the only way that you could get a divorce under the law within their community was that it was only through sexual morality or adultery. And you can imagine Joseph's feeling. One feeling betrayed, feeling all this pain. So listen, Joseph was going to call off the wedding, not because he believed Mary's story, but because he did not believe her story. In his mind, she sinned. She had broken the covenant. She was, for Joseph, think about it. He's like, this is not the young woman I thought she was. He had all these thoughts and going through all these emotions and trying to figure out all these different things. He's, he's wrestling with the pain of being cheated on. And now he's having to consider his future without a wife. And what I love about the Christmas story is you have this humanity engaged with deity and how God uses humanity to bring forth deity through his son, Jesus. And we don't have all the details, but just put yourself in this young couple's situation for a moment. Mary, one, had never had a physical relationship with the man. And she finds out she's pregnant. And then she has to go tell Joseph. And Joseph's like, I don't believe you. And then we then consider Joseph and feel his weight of the situation. As a husband, you've been getting ready to bring your wife into your home and into a marriage and you find out she's pregnant. Now listen, Joseph may have been, you know, like alive 2,000 years ago, but he was, he, he, he was smart enough to know that there's no pregnancy without a man. He knew that. So he's wrestling with this. And we see the heart of Joseph as well though because in the Bible says he was faithful to the law, meaning adultery is a crime or a sin punishable by being stoned to death. But he chose not to and did not want to expose her public disgrace. This reveals this, this tender heart of Joseph. He was a good man. It, it would have been within his rights, but Joseph did not want to disgrace Mary or shame Mary. And so he just did it, was considering her 
divorce or the divorce to be quietly. He was loving and he had his heart, in his heart he knew, I don't want to humiliate her. I love this woman. We know though that after the angel announced to Mary that, um, that she would give birth to Jesus, and somehow she shared that with Joseph. But what we do know is this, is within that moment, Scripture says she went to another town. She went to Elizabeth, her cousin, who was around 70 miles away. So there was something there that all of a sudden, why would she go away 70 miles? You don't go 70 miles away back then unless there's a reason. Well, the reason was Joseph must have not believed her story. And now he's considering divorce. So Joseph, though, remains in Nazareth where their home was. Mary went away, maybe sent them for her own protection. I don't know. But Joseph's life continued. So he had to continue his life. He had to continue going back to the house that he dreamed of being with Mary. And so with the, the, the drama of the newly learned information in his life, he's still having to go to work as a carpenter. And I don't know about you, but when I work with my hands, I, I, my mind just starts thinking. I just start processing it because it's, it's, it's just, it's, I love it. it. It's good for me. And as Joseph's working with his hands, he's, he's rerunning the scenario in his head. And how could he not see this in Mary? And why can Mary, why, why would she do this to him? And why would God do that to him in his life? And during the, the work day, he's, he's thinking over it. And he's trying to sort through his betrayal and his pain and his situation. And so at the end of the day, he drags himself back to his house, emotionally tired, physically tired, mentally tired. He, he walks by the kitchen and he, that, that he used to dream about Mary would be in making food for him and maybe a little one or two little ones. He looks around at the bare walls and he, he's reminded, I'm a bachelor and this place looks really bad. He was hoping Mary would come in and, and just, just give her sweet self to it and just make it a home. He lays down in the bed that he really was looking forward to not being alone anymore. All of his hopes, all of his dreams, all of his hard work had been for nothing. And his heart's broken, he's disappointed. And he goes to bed one night and in the middle of the night, an angel of the Lord appears to him in a dream. And I want us to learn lessons from Joseph, the one entrusted to father, the father's son. I wonder, if, if, when, I, when I come ag- across these characters, I always ask these questions. I ask weird questions when I read the Bible, but it helps me kind of get underneath or get the heart of it too. Is if Joseph could give me some pointers or some lessons from his experience, what would he say to me? Last week we heard what Matthew would, how Matthew would introduce. How would Joseph, what would lessons, what lessons would Joseph give us about following God? And so if we think about this whole idea that God entrusted his one and only son to an earthly father to raise and to father. So Joseph had to be really, really special to God. He entrusted him. So what would be the first thing that Joseph would tell us in this Christmas story? I think he'd say this, number one, God is not looking for superstars. He's looking for servants. I don't know if you notice in the text that the text was very careful not to tell us that Joseph was the father 
of Jesus because he actually wasn't. Mary was a biological mother, but Joseph was not the father. And so this whole idea that God's not looking for superstars, he's looking for servants, for Joseph. Joseph was not the center of the story. He was not the hero in the story. Many of us when were like, God, will you use me? God, I want to be, I want to do something great. Every one of us, let's just be honest, in every one of our scenarios, we're the hero in the story. We're the one who ma- who's making the difference. We're the one out front. We're the one succeeding. We're the one achieving. We're the one accomplishing. But for Joseph, he was the one serving. He wasn't the father of the child. He had to, he, he had to he, as we'll find later, he had to, to get Mary again. He had to bring her into his home. He had to face probably um, pushback and gossip within the community. But he was the servant in the story, not the hero. Scripture tells us that Mary and Joseph, though, they did not consummate their marriage until after the birth of Jesus. It's very important for us to know that, yes, Joseph's role was to serve the purposes of God by serving Mary, his virgin pregnant wife, and ultimately taking care of Jesus. But it's the Scripture goes out of its way to say they did not consummate until after the birth of Jesus. Why? Because they wanted, it's so important we understand the virgin birth in our Christian faith. Why is it important? It's it's important for us to understand that the father of the child, Jesus, was God. It wasn't Joseph. The Holy Spirit placed the seed of the divine in Mary, which is Jesus. In the womb of this woman, Mary, who was a virgin, and Joseph had nothing to do with their pregnancy whatsoever. God's not looking for superstars. He's looking for servants. Mary was a virgin. And this is very essential for our Christian faith. Listen, I know people today who are like, you know what? Christianity is great. I just struggle with this virgin birth thing. Well, you think you struggle? Think about how Joseph struggled. The virgin birth has a very, very significant purpose. To understand the virgin birth or the purpose of it, you got to go back to the Garden of Eden, to Genesis chapter 3. After Adam and Eve sinned, God says to Satan who deceived them into sin, which plunged them in and all of humanity under the curse of sin. He says this, God says this, speaking to Satan, I will put enmity, tension, you'll be at war with each other between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He, which speaking of the offspring, will crush your puny little head, speaking to Satan, and you will strike his heel. That was just addition in there of my little side notes, okay? So, we, 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 you got to go back. Well, well, then what's happening? The Christmas story is the fulfillment of this right here. It's the beginning. It's, it's, the, it's, it's God coming to earth to accomplish this, that the Savior would crush the head and the curse and the stain of sin that Satan has plunged humanity into, into. And Jesus came, a babe in a manger, to start his heel down on the head of Satan. Amen? And that, that's, that's what we have to understand, the significance of the virgin birth. But what, but what does that have to do with the, the virgin birth? In other words, God says in the first story in Genesis that I will provide a solution for sin through humanity. He mentions the woman, who's the human, which is Mary. He mentions the offspring, which we know to be Jesus. 
But it's, it's important we, we acknowledge this word right here. I will. Everybody say, I will. So God, God didn't say you will. God didn't say humans will. He said, I will. I will bring forth the solution. I will redeem mankind. I will make a way that the offspring of the woman will crush the head of Satan. I will do the work. Why, did, why is God saying I will? Because we were in a position after the fall of man to do nothing for ourselves. We could do nothing. It was God's idea. So many times we, we think God is just mean, mean old daddy God. He's just, he's, he's just trying to get at us, us evil humans and, and kill us and judge us and thank God for Jesus who stands and says, God, God, back up. No, God, I, I'll take care of them. No, no, God, I know you want to kill them, but I, I, I'll take care of them. I'll take care of them. We, we totally misunderstand the heart of God. It was God so loved the world that he sent his only son. It was God's idea to bring his one and only son to this earth. It's because your God is full of compassion passion, loving kindness. He's patient. He's slow to anger and he loves you. Therefore, he sent his son. This idea that God somehow is, is mean and waiting to get you is ridiculous. Now, he is a holy God. So he had to make a solution so he could redeem us from our sins and bring us into his holiness so he could have a relationship with us. And that's the purpose of, Christ, of Christmas. But God says, I will show you. I'm the one who will accomplish it. Humanity cannot rescue itself. God says, I will do it. And so because of that prophecy, we know that the seed of the woman needs to be the source of Satan's destruction. But how can the seed of the woman that is tainted by sin, how can that save humanity? Well, the virgin birth answers the question, how? The apostle Paul says it this way in Galatians chapter four, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. That's what Paul's talking about. I, what I love about this for me, it reminds me, it reminds me that God of the universe sent his son to be adopted by a human father so that we can be adopted by our heavenly father. It's God's circle of life, of humanity. He loves you. He is for you. And we need to understand that. But this idea that Jesus came fully God and fully man so that he can redeem us. The virgin birth tells, tells us how, that, how God redeemed us to be born a human, take on human form, but then also to be fully God, to redeem all humans. So when we put our faith in, in Jesus Christ, we are saved so this is so important for us to understand that, that, that God loves humanity so much that he sent his son to save you and to redeem you. We have this idea in our minds that, that we're just nasty or just nasty humanity and, we, and we, we're so, we struggle with our humanity. The apostle Paul did too. He goes, why do I do the things I don't want to do? 
Oh, what a wretched man I am. And we can, we can just live in this self-hate all the time. But you need to know something. God loves your humanity so much that he sent his greatest gift to redeem not just your, your person, your humanity, but your soul so you can live with him forever. And that's what you need to understand. It says that humanity is, is not irrelevant. It's just not something, oh, forget it, doesn't matter. No, it is significant. It's not nasty. Humanity under the curse is nasty, but humanity under Christ is righteous and holy. And so this whole life of Jesus brings, for many of us who, who, believe, who believe the lie of the enemy, that you're worthless, you're valueless, that your life, your, your heartbeat means nothing. And he, he, he seduces you into thinking that you are irrelevant and your life doesn't matter. That is a voice from the enemy, not from God. You are not to be embarrassed that you're human. Why would someone be embarrassed to be what after God created humanity, he said this, that is very good. Yes, we wrestle with our flesh. Yes, we crucify our flesh. But don't hate your humanity. Embrace it and embrace the fact that God made you human. And when you embrace your humanity, your dependence on God increases. When you embrace your humanity, you see the Christmas story, not as God despising humans, but God valuing it so much that he came to crush the curse of sin on your flesh and redeem you by the work of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's, I want you to hear that today. God speaking over your humanity is this. God says you are mine. You are made in my image. You're a physical reflection of who I am. You are beautiful to me. You are valuable. And to help you understand how valuable I have become human. That's the beauty of the message of Christmas. This whole idea that God entrusted his deity to humans. And so that, that it allows us to delight in who he is and his love for you and his kindness to you. Some of you have, your whole life, people have told you you're worthless. Your whole life, people have told you you're no good. And you used to fight it, but now you just believe it. You need to understand the value of your life is not given by another human being. It's given by God who sent his son for you. Someone else might have told you you're not valuable, but God says, no, 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 you're my girl. You're my boy. You're mine, and I value you. You need to know that today. But if we were to get back to understanding Joseph, the angels appeared to him. He says, I want you to go and, and, and take Mary in your home. And so he does. And so Joseph, he, the, the dream happens, he gets up, he responds. But it's important we understand that God had entrusted a portion of his plan from the beginning of time to redeem humanity to a carpenter named Joseph. His one and only son. Now think about this. To love his son, to wrestle with his son, to teach his son a trade, to teach his son, son how to work hard, 
how to, how to love women, how to, how, how, to, how to be respectful, how to have manners. Teach them how to love God. Teach them, how, this, is, this is the word of God and it's valuable. That God entrusted Joseph with his one and only son. Now, if you put yourself in that situation, you can feel the weight of that situation. That's, that's, that's weighty. Like, God, I don't, I, don't, I don't have what it takes. And God's like, you don't, but I'll help you. So I think the second lesson, yes, the first, the first lesson is just the understanding that when God asks us to do something, that he's not looking for superstars. He's just looking for someone to serve. And the second lesson I think Joseph would teach us from his life is number two, whatever God asks of you, he will give you the ability to do it. The weight of the responsibility had to be just overwhelming. And we know, again, after the angel appeared to Joseph in his dream, it says he woke up and he went and he listened to that. The scripture says this, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. So remember, Mary was at her cousin Elizabeth's house. Remember why she was there. Maybe she wasn't welcome in Nazareth anymore. 70 miles. So imagine this. Here's Joseph. He's gone through this turmoil. He feels betrayed. He feels, oh my gosh. Like I, and then God speaks to him in a dream through an angel. The next morning, he's like, I got a 70-mile trek. I got I to gotta get happening. I guarantee you that's the fastest Joseph ever went, 70 miles. Because the last time, they, they, the last time he saw Mary, it was not... A really pleasant conversation. And last time he had seen that, because Mary, Mary knew, Joseph's not going to marry me. Joseph knew, I don't know, I need some space. I need you to maybe go somewhere else. They had separated their ways. Their ways. I doubt they communicated. She had been there for three months already. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us all the relational dynamics, but if you could totally read it in between the lines. Why? Because we're human. We understand. You can imagine it was difficult. But I bet on the way there, Joseph is doing his best, huffing and puffing, trying to get to Mary, thinking, man, when I see her, I'm going to run up to that girl, and I'm going to grab her, and I'm going to hold her, and I'm going to say, I, Mary, I, I, I believe you. I can't wait till I get there. There's relational tension and there's drama and there's humanity and there's all these different pieces that maybe we forget so many times. And Joseph is maybe on the journey actually to Mary. He's also thinking, what does it mean to have the one who will save me from my sins in my house? That I'm going to father him? I'm sure he thought a lot on this journey. I know he thought, I'm sure he thought about Mary. I don't know what their first interaction was. The last time they were together, they were dreaming about the marriage. They were on the brink of this beautiful marriage that was ordained by, their, by their, the leaders of, their, of the temple, was celebrated in their, in their families, was publicly announced, and then it switched in a moment to a horrific nightmare for Joseph. And Joseph walks into the town, somewhere in Judea, and he sees 
Elizabeth, the respected wife of the priest Zechariah, which there's another story there as well, but we won't get to that today. He walks in, he sees her, and Elizabeth sees Joseph, Joseph sees Elizabeth, and, and then Joseph says, can I see Mary? Elizabeth runs to the house, Mary, Mary. She's like, yes, Joseph's here. Well, Mary knows last time he, she needed to leave. Last time she wasn't, he wasn't considering marrying her. And then she realized, oh, it's been three months. I have this baby bump. When he sees the baby bump, what's he going to think? Is, he, is it just going to bring back all this pain that I told him? But he, he, I understand. I mean, I, I'm a virgin. How's that happen? I, I, I don't know. As you can imagine, Joseph walks in the house and Mary looks at him, maybe a little sheepish, like I don't know how he's going to react because these Jewish guys, they got a temper, so you don't know, really know how. But she looks at him, she thinks, hang on, his demeanor is a little softer. He's looking at me, not with the anger in his eyes or the confusion or the pain that he had before, but his, his face is soft, his, his eyes are, are, are longing towards me. I mean, his face is what, what, when we used to go on walks and talk about the future, that's what it looks like. And he walks up to Mary and he holds her and he says, Mary, I believe you. Can you, can you imagine the relief in Mary's heart? Oh. The one she was going to give her life to believes her. She's not seen as a liar. She's not seen as a, an adulterer by the one's opinion that really matters to her. So we know this, that they go back to Nazareth. And they make their way and they start living their lives. What I love about it is I wonder even on the, on the way back. So 70 miles, you're, you're going to talk a lot. Mary's like, just like any good woman, tell me the details. <laughs> tell me what? what you, you were sleeping? Yeah. What would you have for dinner that night? Mary, what does it matter what I have for dinner that night? An angel that, okay, all right. That's fine. That's fine. It's fine. Anyway, yeah. Well, ha, have you seen your, Mary, let me tell you the story. So they're talking and they had to be remembering the scriptures. Mary, so when I'm in the temple, have you considered Isaiah 7:14? Mary, that the, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel? Mary, you're that virgin. Have you, have you thought of this, Mary? Like Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah was speaking about you. And you're my wife. And this child is from my care? So they had to be just thinking about it. 700 years ago, before this moment, before the, the, the conception of Christ, the prophet Isaiah was talking and thinking about us. Talk about responsibility. They're thinking and walking, Mary, I, our small lives have been swept up in, in the 
plan and purposes of God for the whole world. Who are we? So they went back to Nazareth and they began to live their lives. She was three months pregnant. I, I would have loved to have heard some of the conversations that her and Joseph had in the house. Like, how, well, how's this going to work? Like Joseph, like over dinner, Joseph, like, I feel so inadequate to raise the son of God. And Mary's like, I feel so inadequate to give birth to the son of God. And Mary reminds Joseph, yeah, but the angel told me that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we'll do this. We're going to be all right, Joseph. Just like, I don't know, Mary. I'm just a carpenter. And the son of God going to save Mary, 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 I don't know. And Mary said, Joseph, come on, the angel. And you're right, Mary. And then when Mary, she's weak, he's like, Mary, remember the angel. You're right, Joseph. I would have loved to have been there. Now they're just living their lives. And then all of a sudden this official shows up in their town and begins to say, hey, there's a new government initiative. And everybody goes, oh, great. These always work out really well for everybody. And the initiative is everybody has to go back to their, their hometown, to the, for the, the city of their family. Well, now that Joseph and Mary were married, they were one, Mary goes with Joseph to Bethlehem. And so here's Joseph thinking, she's eight months pregnant. Are you joking me? I got to go to Bethlehem? No, no, I'm here to care for this woman. I need to do everything I can to protect this child within her. Like this, oh, this is, but I don't have a choice. So he saddled up the donkey and they went for their journey. And they started the journey to Bethlehem. Again, Joseph is a man who, who's familiar with scripture on their way. Think about this, on their way to Bethlehem. He thinks, hey, Mary, we're going to Bethlehem. She's like, uh-huh. And I, I don't want to be going. He's like, I, I'm just saying, just hang on a second. We're going to Bethlehem. She's like, yeah. Mary, it's Bethlehem. I, okay, Joseph. He's like, Mary, remember Micah 5, 2? But you, Bethlehem, though you are little among the thousands of, of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me, the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. She goes, oh, it's Bethlehem. And they're, they're connecting these dots of, this is real. And I'm sure the, the gravity of the, of the situation weighs. And so Joseph, as we know, the story and Mary roll into Bethlehem, desperately wanting to take care of this precious woman and child, tries to find a place, but because of the, the senses, there was no place for them. And they end up in a place where Animals are kept. No bed. And I want you to just put yourself in Joseph's place. Here he is in a barn with his precious wife and this precious child that's about to come. She goes into labor. Her water breaks. He helps her give birth. They remembered their Lamaze classes and they did through that. Okay, okay, breathe, breathe. She'd never given birth. They're by themselves. 
and the Son of God. God in the flesh, the incarnation. First moment of interaction was entrusted to a carpenter that would have held Jesus for the first time. A servant, not the center of the story, but a major support role. The man God selected as the guardian of his one and only son holds Jesus. Yes, the Christmas story is God becoming flesh, but also the Christmas story is reminding us that God wants to use us. He wants to move through us, and he has entrusted us with much. So many times we forget the story of Christmas is God placing a very, very high value on humanity, a very high value on fathering, mothering. It's understanding that in our moments of weakness, that He is our source of strength. He's the one who will sustain you. He came because you couldn't muster up the will, the know-how, the power to do what you knew you should do. But He came through humanity to redeem humanity. And He used humanity to show us beautiful pictures of his love and his care. There are so many of us who believe the lie that our life is not worth living. Over the last many months of 2020, we've seen suicide increase. We've seen addiction increase. And it's because they believe the lie that their, their humanness, their bodies didn't really matter. And that is a lie from the pit of hell. And if you're here today and you've been fighting off these thoughts of suicide, and you've almost even come to the place of concluding, you know what, maybe it's just, my, it doesn't matter whether I live or die. I want you to know something, that is a lie from the pit of hell. And Jesus came so that you could have life. He came to put value on your humanness and to save you and to make you one of his children. And God wants you to live your life. Receive the message of Christmas. It is God coming, telling you, your life matters to me. The message of Christmas is telling you that God just looks for a servant who will say yes to him, who will say, God, use me. I don't have it all together, and I'm just, a, I'm just this person. But if you want to use me like Joseph, I'm in. If you want to use me, no matter what, I don't have to be the center of the story, God. I just, I just want to be a part of the story. It's God reminding us 
and he came to use us. It's also God reminding us the fact is this, whatever God puts before you to do, he'll give you the ability to do it. Dads, fathers who feel inadequate, are you able to provide for your family? And you run so, do I really have what it takes? Do I really, and you're confronted with your own brokenness and your own stuff in your life and you feel like, man, I'm a failure. You need to know the, the Christmas story is God coming to help you do what he's asked you to do. For you moms that feel overwhelmed and, and you're like, I just can't, I, man, this homeschool thing, and it's, it's putting tension in my relationship with my kids and I, I just, I don't, I don't have what it takes. The answer to that is you're right. That's why Jesus came. That's the story of Christmas, that whatever God's asked you to do, He'll give you the ability to do it. He'll give you the grace. For single parents who feel so overwhelmed, those little ones, what you pour into them, God is so proud of you. And you, when you think, I can't go anymore, God says, yes, you can. Because I will give you the ability to do it. When we look at our lives and we think, God, am I, Lord, I, I keep falling into this trap of sin. And Lord, I can't. I can't resist. The, the Christmas story says, you can't on your own. But with the grace of God, he will give you the ability to do it. And then when you do stumble, when you do fall, when you are confronted with your humanity and you're like, I'm a failure, God says, you may have failed, but your identity is a daughter or a son of God. You're not a failure. Don't believe that lie. I came to redeem you and show you how much value I put on your life. Today, the Christmas story tells us that you are worth and your value is measured by what God was willing to give. And that's his son. So let's continue on the journey, allowing the grace of God to heal us, allowing the grace of God to restore us, allowing the beautiful picture of Jesus being born is the understanding that it was for you. It was to give you peace. And that's what he offers to us today, through this incredible, beautiful story of Joseph. Let me pray. Father, I want to thank you for your word that speaks to us, that ministers to us, that meets us right where we are. And Lord, I know today that there are people, maybe even online or in this room, that the enemy has been telling them that they're bodies, their life, their heartbeat doesn't really matter. And right now in the name of Jesus, I take authority through the power of the Holy Spirit over that lying spirit that's been speaking to you. And I command you, demonic spirit, to shut your mouth and to be cast away in the name of Jesus. Lord, I ask you today that those who 
have had been fighting off these feelings of suicide or self-harm, that you would remind them of their value. It's not in what they see, it's in what you see. Their value comes from what you see. And so, Lord, today I pray for deliverance over their minds and their hearts in the name of Jesus. I pray for the peace that surpasses all understanding. And may they know that you love them, that this church loves them, that I love them. And may they leave either online or live with an understanding of your great, significant grace to them today. Lord, I also, for those who don't know Jesus, and if that's you today with nobody looking around and you would acknowledge, I want this Christmas to be the Christmas where I actually feel forgiven and feel saved. I want to live this Christmas celebrating the birth of Jesus because I know that I'm saved. If you want to give your life to Jesus today and you want to step from where you are into the house of God to become a child of God, to be secure forever. If you want to give your life to Jesus, somebody's looking around, just raise your hand right where you are. Just lift it up right where you are. Thank you, God bless you. Nobody's looking. Thank you, God bless. Anybody else want to give your life to Jesus? If you're joining online, you can do it right where you are, right now. I'm going to pray a prayer with you. And I'm just going to ask you, the scripture says that if you will believe this prayer and confess it with your mouth out of Romans 10, that you will be saved. And so let's all pray this together for our soon-to-be family. Let's pray. Say, Lord Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. And I give you my life. Please forgive me and cleanse me. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you rose from the dead. And today I commit my life to you. My life belongs to you. Come into my heart. Give me a new heart. Give me a new mind and restore me today. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me. And thank you for making me a child of you. From this day forward, I will follow you with your help. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand today. Amen.